This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. I'm driving along with two Jewish people on my fender. There's a law in New York State. I sang once for Barbara Streisand, this is a true story, and her eyes crossed the other way. It was just... Well, the first thing I do is make them toast my salad. From the writer of Nyeh and the director of Nyeh comes Nyeh. You can have an eight-way suck fest up in your room, but you can't walk barefoot to the casino. I want a lemon Twitter, I want a raspberry puff, I want a honey curl, and a, 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 no, two chocolate, no, one, one, put it back, put it back. I can loosen up. Don't have to be so black all the time. I hate when my foot falls asleep during the day because that means it's going to be up all night. My neck is actually six inches long, completely flaccid. It don't matter about how much you sniff, put it away, sniff the interest. We're going to have to buy more stuff! Welcome, everybody. Uh, glad you can be here today with us. I'm very excited about uh, our next guest. I'm excited about all the guests. I mean, why wouldn't I be... Uh, some of the best comics uh, performers in the world, and I get to chat with them and find out how they started. Um, I'm excited to find out how our next guy got started. Um, he, I know him because he was my neighbor, but one of the great things about Todd Barry is how he is just brilliant in a way, not only as a performer but a writer, how his writing style is so unique that he can go anywhere in the world and perform, and he will do really well, especially when they speak English. One of the great things is when I was booking the Letterman show, there was a couple of comics that lived in New York that uh, had sets ready just in case we needed a comic last minute, and uh, Todd was one of them. And every time he did the show, uh, not only did he crush, but Letterman was very, very happy, and when the boss was happy, I was happy. Uh, so let's, let's find out what we can about Todd Barry together. Hey, Todd Barry. What's up, Eddie Bro? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm, we're up here above uh, Stand Up New York, the 78th and Broadway, and they have this like little this sort of cave in the back. Uh-huh. And uh, I figured I'd lure some of my <laughs> comedian friends in and find out some stuff about them, because when you're in a cave, I think that's when people get exactly. more stuff. Uh, it's, how could I turn down an offer to be lured into a cave? Well, they're bringing you coffee. Oh, so. look at that. <laughs> yeah. This is no kidnapping. No, Thank no. you. This, yeah. <laughs> This is a kidnapping, but there's coffee involved. <laughs> we'll make sure that that happens. Um, what I do know about you, you know, it's funny. I had uh, I was do, working with Alan Havey earlier today, uh-huh. and it'll be a different thing. We're talking about how Florida, so many comedians, yeah, having fun. Now you're not from Florida; you're from the Bronx originally. <clears throat> I was born in the Bronx, then I moved to upstate New York. Then when I was eight, I moved down to Florida. And how come you moved to Florida? Because my dad's uh, company, the entire company, moved to Florida. So, what company was that? It was called Visual Graphics. It's a, no longer a company, I believe. Mm. You believe? <laughs> yeah, I'm really pretty sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, they, I think that's how that works yeah, out. If it's I not think, a company, it's not. I don't think they're around anymore. Is your dad around? He is, yes. And uh, so what was it like for you to get away, to leave your friends in upstate New York? We're in upstate New York. I lived in New Paltz for yeah. three years. Um, you know, it's so long ago that I don't remember like whether it was traumatic or... I think we drove down... Yeah, we drove down from Flo- from New York. So that was probably dramatic because I know our car didn't even have a radio Ugh. or air conditioning. And right, and you're going through North Carolina, yeah, South Carolina. and 26 hours with your, your family in a car. 
It's tough. We did the same thing. I was born in Brooklyn, and then we moved to Hollywood, Florida. Oh, that's right. You lived in Florida. Yeah. I mean, like Jeff Garland and Brian Regan and just on and on and on. Uh, Jim Brewer and Daryl Hammond, you know, not born in Florida, but eventually moving down there. I saw Jeff Garland when he was living in Florida. Before I started doing comedy, he was doing comedy at a place called Penrods. Yes. I remember Penrods. It's on Fort Lauderdale Beach, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that must be over. That must be like thirty. It's over. They don't do it anymore. No, I mean, yeah, the comedy night is not still going. But right. I, I think, but when I think, your father's company went down, Penrods <laughs> folded with it. What I was gonna say is, it was over like thirty years ago. I think, yeah, at least. But yeah. yeah. So now, when you were a kid, growing up in your house, was there a lot of comedy in the house? Was there sarcasm? Uh yeah. I mean, my family's pretty funny, and uh, but I never. I was always wise ass and always. Mm-hmm. But I was never too much. I wasn't really a troublemaker in school. I was kind of like I would take it up to the point where they go, Todd, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so, sorry about that." <laughs> I was never like, "Oh, he's in the dean's office again." But um, but I never, I never wanted to be a comedian per se until uh, I still don't want to be one. No, right. I, <laughs> after after college is when I started. You went to University of Florida. University of Florida in Gainesville. Yeah, where I was supposed to go to school. Everyone in my and I went to South Broward High School. Where'd you go to high school? Coral Springs High School. Yes. So everyone in my high school went there, and my uncle happened to be teaching at UMass Amherst and said, you should go to this small Emerson College. And uh-huh. the University of Florida wasn't going to let me. I wanted to be in radio. They weren't going to let me be on radio the first year. So, Yeah, I can't. I kind of don't know how I got in because I had like, I think it was a 2.11 GPA. Well, the, it's the 1.1 one one that, that put you over the top. The yeah, other like two he's no C student. No, he's a C plus <laughs> student. So you didn't really think of stand up. Why'd you go to what, what were you going to college for? Um, well, I majored in English just because I couldn't think of what to major in, mm-hmm. and I dabbled in the theater department. They let me take some acting classes, and and I was in a band down there. I was in bands, you know. You were Florida. you're a drummer, so were you I'm playing a, the drums? Yeah, I'm not a great drummer, but I was. I'd play it anyway. You know how many drummers? Johnny Carson was a drummer. Johnny Bill Burr's a drummer. Great drummer. Um, Letterman played the drum. Oh, really? Yeah, he. Yeah, I know Fred Armisen plays. Uh, yeah, a bunch of people. When I first met you, you were always drumming on things. <laughs> I know. I, I'm fidgety. I'm yeah. fidgety. But uh, yeah, so you're so in the bands. So and you dabbled bands in theater. Then, yeah, I was dabbled in theater, and then um, after the band, I guess. Well, maybe that was before they split up. We. Hmm. I'd I had gone to like Comic Strip, the one down in Florida. Yes. And I'd gone to uh Coconuts Comedy Club mm-hmm. in North, North Miami. Miami Beach. Yes. That's the first place I went on stage. But they um But I mean how did you just go from dabbling in theater to stand up? Uh well I kinda didn't know what I was doing. I moved back home after uh college after briefly living with a girlfriend, my first ever girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh I'm going to say that didn't work out. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think we're together anymore. Yeah. Well, but, you know, life is a series of <laughs> your father's business, pen rods, yeah, no, this everything girlfriend. Just, everything just ends yeah. after 30 years. But yeah. the, um, yeah, and I used to, I, I would kind of just go watch, uh, I'd watch comedians and then I always used to love them. Like on, I loved, like I saw Letterman way before he, I mean, not way, but. Before he had any TV show. Right. This was like before even the morning show. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which I ended up going to see live, the morning wow. show. Letterman has this morning show that I bet I bet a lot of people don't even know he did that. Right. It was five days a week. He used to have weird guests on, and he would have like the same musical guest every day for yeah, a week. for a week. Yeah. And Rich Hall worked on the show. Yeah, and yeah. Mero Marco and uh, Biff so, Henderson was there back then. Oh, was he at the yeah. morning show? Yeah. Oh, man. 
then um yeah, then I just uh Well, just, how did you see Letterman? Did you go see him do stand up? No, I would see him do uh I saw him like on the Merv Griffin show right. or something that half your listeners are not going to know what I'm talking about. But a talk shows are Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. So there was all these like these, you know, they would say, you know, we get the hot, a bright young comic coming on today. Mm-hmm. And I always used to like watch those guys like, you know, Richard Lewis and and uh, and like all people I don't even think are doing anymore or that mm-hmm. I haven't heard about anymore. And, um, you know, it was a Jeff Altman, remember him? I used yeah. to watch him and... Uh, I and still, Dennis I'm Miller still in and touch Hicks. with him. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, Altman um, what does he do? loved doing, you know, acting work, and he did a lot of commercials. He did a ton of commercials, and he kind of was there at the beginning with Letterman in the yeah. days when they were in L.A. together, and they would travel San Diego a lot together. So Jeff was a great comic, and he would make appearances on, like you said, Merv Griffin yeah. or Mike Douglas. They would put comedians, Richard Pryor, and they'd let them be edgy. Yeah, I mean, even Dick Cabot would uh, have comedians on and, and have a conversation more than a stand-up kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I was always fascinated. I, I don't know exactly if you're... I'm 57 while we're taping this. Uh, uh, I don't know if you uh, watched like, shows like uh, Jack Parr or Steve Allen or any. I didn't watch Jack Parr and Steve Allen, although, I mean, I'm aware of them. I just... I don't think I watched a lot of them, but... But I, you know, I did, I did like watching like the, it was Mike Douglas show, mm-hmm. Dinah Shore. I remember seeing Michael yes. Keaton do stand up on the mm-hmm. Dinah Shore show. Um, and yeah, so there was a lot of those, those younger do, who else was, like Dennis Miller, Bill Hicks. Um, I mean, I remember got names like Ed Bluestone and, yes. and George Miller and all these people and uh, a bunch of others. So and, at that time when you saw them, you just appreciated them. I just them. loved, I was just a true fan of that right. kind of, and, and for, Always towards the younger, newer ones. But then I also went to see a lot of comedy. I saw saw Carlin live. Mm. I saw um, Kinison a couple of times. I was saw, this when you were in Florida or later? Yeah, on? and Andy Kaufman. I saw. I think mm. like when I was like fifteen. What was that show like? That was that was. Uh, I've seen him twice live. I saw him once. The first time I think it was like fifteen, and I saw Rickles around that time. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, I mean, it was just when he was the sort of had heat from being on SNL. When right. SNL used to have stand-up comics on, right. which is kind of hard to believe. So it, it was at the Gusman Cultural Center yes. in Miami. And I don't know, remember if it was full or not, but it was a great show. But then I came back. Did you have like a friend or friends that were comedy fans like you when you go to see comedy yeah, shows? Yeah, I guess. It? I don't remember. I think, my, I think I went to Don Rickles with my family, maybe. Mm. But it's like a birthday present. But then I... Um, so they knew you like stand up and yeah they... yeah and then I uh, then I saw Kaufman when I was in college. This is after he got real popular for the wrestling, right? So they put him in this place, the O'Connell Center, which is like a basketball arena, mm-hmm. and there's like six thousand people showed up, and they were such a rude audience because all they wanted to see was the wrestling. So when he did any of his right. sort of experimental stuff, it was just booze and just ugh. and that must have disappointed. Yeah, it was you a bummer. You saw him. Yeah, and you're just like just. Uh, I mean, that's even back then. I was like. Wanted people to respect comedians, you know. Right. So when you saw him in Gusman, uh, where I the last time I went to Gusman was I think Super Tramp in the seventies. I think I, I saw Devo there also. Ah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of concerts there, but and it was a great venue and it was a, a nice part of town. And uh, what was the show like with Andy Kaufman? I mean, how did uh, what did he do? Was it SNL kind of stuff? Yeah, that I mean, he did pretty much the bits. The yeah, and... he did that and Elvis and mm-hmm. and um and then in in the second shittier show he mm-hmm. did um he did the wrestling at some point because they were just young wrestling wrestling. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
remember seeing Rodney at Radio City Music Hall, and they just kept yelling his bits out and heckling. Oh, really? And it was kind of a bummer, and he was kind of bummed out, and I felt bad for him. Yeah, especially radio, you know I mean? Any place, but especially like you get all geared up to play Radio City. It's a beautiful place, and then you have just... 6,200 people yeah, yelling out your jokes. In the, yeah. It was re- it's really sad to watch that. So you always had the sort of heart of a comic, and you, you loved it, and you, uh, you felt for the comics. And you saw my clip of me on Letterman when I was 18, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, were you going to bring that up? Okay. No, I, I was going to wait for you to do that. Okay. I, didn't, I mean, just because that happened while I was down there. That was pre-doing uh, pre stand-up. Right. Well, tell us about the. Oh, I. Um, you can find this on YouTube uh, if you look up my name, and it's probably easy enough to find. Yeah, Todd um, Barry. Two if you go hours. to Todd Barry videos on YouTube, but I, when I was eighteen and living down in South Florida, Letterman had his. I think it was the first year of his late night show, mm-hmm. and I. Um, he had viewer mail segment where he would read actual letters, and this was when people would actually use a pen and to mm-hmm. write a letter and. And put a stamp on it, all that kind of yeah. old-fashioned stuff. But then, uh, so I said, well, you know, I should try to write a letter and see if it'd get on. So I just kind of, I wrote one, and I was like, it's it's better to watch it on video. But I'll tell you, you know, briefly what happened is that I, I said something like, I do a, hey Dave, uh, I do a great impression of uh, Paul Schaefer. You should either fly me to New York and I'll do it on the show, or you can call me and I'll do it on the phone. And there's more to it. And then, right. uh, so I sent that in. And then my, uh, I get a phone call from <laughs> a producer over there. She's like, hi, Todd, we want to, uh, we want to read your letter. We want to do this. So they go, you know, whatever day it was. Uh, it was probably thrilling as hell. Yeah, I was, yeah. Because I mean, you yeah, probably but, thought maybe they don't even read the letters. Yeah, I mean, I certainly wasn't going, oh, this is going to be slam dunk. I'm going to get on. It was just <laughs> kind of a stab in the dark. And then they called me. And then they uh, they set it up, and then they called back a few days later, and they're, and I kind of got bumped, mm. and I was like really upset and uh, bummed out. And then my parents took me at TGI Fridays to, to smooth things up. over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plantation, in a, in a sense, it was uh, yeah, you know, bum, more of a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they called again and said, "All right, we're going to do it this week." And uh-huh. then they. They just said, be by your phone at whatever time it was. Because they would pick five letters and then use three of them. Yeah. So, and then, you know, I guess your letter was interesting for them. and they Right. And, and I, it, it is a good early uh, indication of what I would end up being. Because I listened to it. I, I unearthed it. I knew I was had it. And I was just, I had it on like a VHS. And I was like, oh, man. And then when letter winners retire, I go, I should just make the effort to digitize this and mm-hmm. post it. It's easy enough. And I did. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I... Uh, I ended up. I watched it for the first time in years. Like, oh man, I'm kind of the exact same person. Yeah. In some ways. <laughs> right. Much more smooth and confident. Right. But, but you had a rhythm. But I was a, to yeah, your, who yeah, you were. Yeah. It sounded like I recorded it three days ago mm-hmm. instead of 1982. I guess it was. Yeah. Because yeah, 81 was the first February 1st. 81 was yeah. his first ever show. Yeah. So that was like really early on. Now, what was the show like when you went there in the morning? I don't remember who the guests were, but I, I just remember. I remember we tried to get tickets, and then we were walking around, and they said no for some reason, <laughs> and, or there was some, you know, there was none available. And then I saw a guy sitting at a booth. Mm-hmm. This is in Rockefeller Center, just kind of r- ruffling this stack of something. And I go, what is that? He goes, oh, these are tick- Letterman tickets. Boom, hands me two. Ah. We got in. Because you had seen him already. It's a comic, you said, on yeah. Merv Griffin. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you wanted to see this show. Yeah, yes, because we, we kind of came back from Florida a couple of times just to visit, and 
this was one of those times, and I we went to the show, and it was. Uh, I remember, you know, I don't remember specifically, but it was really, you know. Yeah, because a friend a friend of mine um, uh, named Adam Roth, his father Arnold Roth was a famous cartoonist, uh -huh. and he was a guest on the show. He was a famous cartoonist. He had written for National Lampoon and all this, and uh, so we wanted to watch our friend. His father and uh, he, we saw this Letterman show in the morning and it was brilliant. And then we started watching it every day. Thankfully, our friend got on the friend's father got on the show. Um, again, n no big influence for you. No wanting to do stand up. It's just you just like comedy and you were excited. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, that's right. I have no, told. but we don't have to get to that right away. I'm just trying to build up to find out because everyone's different in a way. I love stand up, but I never thought I would do it. I never dreamt I would uh. do it. Yeah, I mean, I always knew I wanted to do something creative, and I wanted to do something in show business. Well, you, you go back a little okay. bit now to the theater. You went to college. And yeah, you I did. Doing I, had, I did like a. I did. I. Uh, I did. You know, most of my. I only did two semesters at a place other than UF, UF which was Florida Atlantic University, because mm -hmm, yeah. I was kind of coming down to South Florida to see if I can work something out with the band. So I took some a few classes at. And F when you say the band, this is not the the college band. It's the your own band, right? It was a band of, it was called The Chant. It was a band. The Chant. Yeah, yeah. And we put an album out and everything, and you can hear my that available? sloppy drumming. If you dig it up, yeah. 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 If you, you know, if you do an exhaustive search. Well, it's fun. I mean, you know, here you are, you're a performer. You play the drums. Yeah. You didn't sing, I guess, drums. No, Very but I used to, I remember sing. talking a lot during, between songs and stuff. Getting laughs. the point where they were like, they carried me off once because I just kept talking. <laughs> and, uh, but, um. So I always wanted to do something, express myself and do something. I knew I wanted to be in show business. That mm -hmm. I always knew. And then I, um, you know, I went down, to, you know, I lived in Florida and I would watch these open mics and, mm -hmm. and at some point I just, and it was a thing, you know, much different than the way they have to start now, at least in New York. It's right, bringing like people to get in. The way they used to do it is they would have their, um, their headliner show, like whatever, Tuesday through Sunday. And on Tuesday or Sunday, they would have an open mic night mm -hmm. as part of the regular show. So you'd see like 10 open micers, the middle, and then the, the poor headliner. who had to yeah. follow 11 comics. But everyone, it was a time, you know, it was 87, so everyone was just comedy crazy. So it'd be like, yeah, we're watching open micers. Yeah, we're <laughs> like, and it was fun to watch them, you know, and. The comic strip was a nice venue. It had a, it was a, the room was set up. You know, like, I mean, when I say nice venue, was, as for a comic, yeah. it was a nice setup. And it was like one of the first comedy clubs in the country, I believe, which mm. was weirdly in Fort Lauderdale. Right. So I did, uh, so it was a thing where you could, they would just, you basically call up and go, I'd like to try to be a stand-up. Mm -hmm. And there was no, like, you have to bring eight people, you have <laughs> yeah, to buy right. ten drinks, you have to buy, I mean, I know there's open mics here, you have to pay admission. Yeah. And it was just, okay, there's room, we'll, we'll slot you in. Mm -hmm. So they slotted me in. What, you was 87? Yeah, November 1st, uh, 1987, yeah. yeah. Coconuts, North Miami Beach. Ron Bennington was the headliner that wow. week. So Ron yes. Bennington uh, saw my first ever stand-up set. Yeah, and uh, did he come up to you afterwards and say, you're okay, kid, stick with it? Or I don't remember. I think he did. I feel like he did <laughs> say something, but it, it went quite well actually but it was also what did you put together for you did like five it was i did five, five and i memorized i wrote it all out like a script or whatever and uh you know it was mcdonald's stuff and it was circumcision stuff <laughs> they you, go hand I in hand still do these things right but, uh, yeah. even back then i didn't care about segues i guess but uh <laughs> they uh what was it in the style of 
you as a person or was just a, you were acting like a comedian? I was probably being a little more like, you know, the way everyone went through their Dennis Miller smirky phase. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, apparently, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily with the references that he did, but probably sort of more comic-y if that's kind of what you're asking. Yeah, because I, I remember I loved George Carlin. And when I first started, my rhythms were George Carlin rhythms because that's I had only seen my heroes. I didn't really get to practice being that comedian. Yeah. So that's what I was wondering. So you you weren't really the Todd Barry's taking his time and slowing. Oh yeah, I was definitely I mean I somewhere I have a cassette of that, which mm-hmm. I don't I've never been able to find, but I probably didn't try that hard. <laughs> a lot of unlabeled things, which was really a smart thing to do. Right. Um but then uh yeah, so I did it and it went well. And I remember David Glickman, who yes. was the uh the host he was like, because it, you know, I've since bombed many times, so I'm not saying like kill nonstop since day one. But no, day one most was comedian, good. most comedians the first time do very well. Yeah, and uh, he was like, oh my god, that's his first time on stage, people. Like it was just really like, and I remember walking off and going, oh, having this weird sort of uneasy feeling of like, did no, it was something? Did I start something here? Mm-hmm. That and not is this not just a goof? And then I think I went on two more times that week at the at the comedy corner and at the comic strip. Right. So it was um, I was off and running, but it was a while before I actually said, "All right, I guess this is what I'm doing." Now, what about your folks? What were they thinking about when you were? Did they know you were trying stand up? Did you keep that from them? Um, I'm guessing. I I mean I <laughs> I didn't keep it from them. They were pretty supportive. You know, they they weren't they were never been like you should get a real job. Like yeah. they may have there may have been like slight little occasional comments, but nothing like nothing close to like we're disowning you because yeah. of uh, you're trying to be a comedian. I, I think they kind of knew at some point to leave me alone. Yeah, because obviously you had this love for being in a band, yeah, theater. You so you and you wanted show business, so. But you know, some parents are you know, look, you we have the business and we're a, right. a graphic company and we need you to be yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. vice president and that kind of a thing. So now you're the end of eighty seven, eighty eight, and you're still in Florida. And Florida's a pretty rich scene. There's a lot there's a few yeah, comedy there was, clubs. There was um I mean you could go down there. I mean if you started back then and you were a road dog, um you could you wouldn't make a ton of money, but you could have a job, you could be like twenty three year old kid who spends eight weeks in Florida telling jokes mm-hmm. and has gets put up in a hotel and and you, you know feel I mean? like you're in show yeah, business. Yeah, there's ton I mean you are in show business and there's yeah. just ton of work. And you know, there was these um you remember Vicky Rouseman? I do. She used to, there was these other guys with Holland and something. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. But they were there's the, all these sort of I remember Holland Dozier Holland, but no, those no, are the guys no. with Motown. No, yeah. I, unfortunately I didn't write any songs with them. But ah, they um, damn it. But there was just these people who booked, you know, one-nighters, because you know what happened. Did you start down there? Um, I, did, I started in Boston when I was in college. Oh, okay. I would go down there. And when I was a kid, I would go see comedy. Uh-huh. There, was a, there was a lot of comedy improv, and there was a lot of stand-up. So I would see that. And I always loved stand-up. But I just never thought I would do it. It wasn't something I was interested in, but it made me laugh. Right. So it was fun to go laugh. Yeah. So they, they did... Um, so they would just do that, you know, people would go into like a, a bar, a grill kind of place, and go, mm-hmm. hey, you know, if you give me $600, I'll, I can, you can do a comedy night on a Thursday, just get me a PA. Right. And then, you know, that guy probably gave 400 of it to the comics. Right. Or maybe less. No, probably less. Actually, though, back then, I remember shows that I did for like, 
you know, I remember doing like one a middle spot for like it's like 150. It was like, well, that's, that doesn't that's sound huge. bad. That's yeah, that still sounds that's not bad for 20 minutes. One I night. remember in Boston, we used to do the big gigs for 110. If we were headlining, it would get 110. So 150 to middle, is yeah, pretty yeah, damn good. And um, so there was all sorts of those type things you could string together, and you just end up playing in like Stewart or. Remember the first gig you got paid? I think you know one of them. I don't know my apps. Like one of the first times on stage, this guy came up to me and he said he worked with someone named, you know, Tubby Boots? Yes, Tubby Boots. Yeah. I know him very well because my across-the-street neighbor um, was a singer, uh, Tommy, and uh, he played with Tubby Boots, and I got to... And he would come to the house all Tubby the time. Tubby Boots was like, a, I couldn't... I mean, would he, is he a... Cro- he was a singer. But he was sort of a transvestite. Yeah. He was, but he wasn't like... I wouldn't call him transgender. I, no. I, I, didn't, I didn't really understand that part of like him. Like a drag act, I guess. Yeah, but when I met him, he was just a, a guy hanging out at Tommy across the street's house. I think I saw him once selling stuff at the flea market in uh, Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> the swap shop. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, this guy said, I, I think it was the thing, do you want to host for Tubby Boots? I might be misremembering this, but I do remember him handing me something, and, and it was like, a, so I was like, oh my God, people are offering me paid money. And I think mm. I opened for him at... It was a club. Was it the East Side Comedy Club? I don't remember. They opened one in Flo- in Miami that was a New York comedy club. Well, the East, yeah, the East End was in Long Island. Was it East End or East Side? Uh, I, was, I never was, really worked Long Island yeah. that much at the beginning, so I think I worked it eventually. But I, it's either East End or East Side. Yeah, so it was a it was one of those. It was a thing like, okay, I'll do that, and then uh, big crowd. A lot Probably, of guys wearing yeah. dresses. But then you, yeah, I don't remember <laughs> what it was or even if I did it, actually. I just remember the offer, and I guess mm-hmm. I must, I imagine I did it. Why not? Yeah, but, money. And then you just, and my, one of my first gigs ever, this is a good, it's kind of a, I mean, I've told this in other podcasts, but Dan, uh, Dan, Dan Whitney was down there. Yes. Who is now known as Larry the Cable Guy. Mm-hmm. And he got me a paid guest set at, um, Ron Bennington had a club in Clearwater, Florida. Yes. And... I drove with who was now Larry the Cable Guy in his either Trans Am or Firebird. Either way, it's yeah, cool. Yeah, those, you know, similar cool. cars, I think. GTO. To, uh, we drove like three <laughs> or four hours, and I got a $50 spot. I may have gotten a hotel room as well, but... I hope you did. Yeah, I mean, that's... But that's a, <laughs> that long of a Yeah, drive. yeah. I remember I was working with Schimmel, and we did the Comedy Corner, and Dan Whitney was on the show, and the people came out to see him. The other yeah. comics came out to see him, because yeah. he was so popular. And he wasn't doing the... It was more like a Charlie Callis kind of a thing he would do. I mean, it was similar, but then he sort of amped up the Southern thing, I yeah. think, and, and, and became huge. But always a good guy. I, yeah, 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 he was always really a nice guy. Really great guy. Yeah, yeah, nice guy. guy you root for. Another guy down there, and I just posted this on YouTube. I don't know if you saw this, but I, I posted I was uh, an extra in Police Academy 5, assignment ah. at Miami Beach, and so was Carrot Top. Mm. So I found the scenes that we're in, <laughs> and it's just like we're both barely identifiable, but I had like arrows added. <laughs> so you can. But uh, so he was a guy who was down there. Yes. Who I would see Scott. Uh, Scott, also a nice guy. Yes, terrific. Um, so yeah, people are like surprised that I came from the same uh, places. But you know, it's interesting. A lot of comic, like a lot of people who don't know comedy, say, "Oh, it's so competitive," and 
you know, everybody sucks and you know, there's competition, but you only could really compete with yourself. But their people are very nice, you know, because we're all in this yeah. sort of thing together and you need that sort of network. So guys like Scott, you know, were great or Whitney was, you know, they were really great people. And, you know, even the Regans were living, Brian yeah, and Yeah, I started with Dennis. We did a contest together. Mm. And uh, we, yeah. I Where did, was that? That was at North Miami, Coconuts, North Miami Beach also. Um, so I knew Dennis. I, I guess, I think I'd seen Brian at mm-hmm. the comic strip, but I didn't know him down then. So what did you think of doing a competition? What was that like for you? Um, I, I remember I, there was something I said where, hmm, I, there was, I remember a line where, Either I said it or Dennis said this, where one of us said to the other, you're the only guy I wouldn't mind losing to. And, ah. and then one of us won, and the other <laughs> one said, well, I guess we're both happy now. Uh, but uh, I'm It's probably just, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, that I was, was, you should take the well, credit I'll take the it. credit for the hilarious line. Dennis is not listening. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that was fine. But then I did the, um, up here, I did the Johnny Walker contest. You're right. Where during the day, you line up, and you do two minutes. You do and two fucking, shots of Johnny Walker. Yeah, and you do, and I fucking I killed in the two minutes. So they brought me back. I was one of the ten. Right. And then I, so you wait around hours to come back. But it's like, oh my god, I'm in the top ten. <laughs> and I remember I went on after Mark Cohen. Right. And Danny Aiello was one of the judges. <laughs> and then I, it was complete opposite of like it was just a full on smoke and bomb, uncomfortable, right. silence, dead. But I mean. But I think that was the contest that launched uh, Wendy Liebman, because mm. I think she won it. Wow. But, uh, yeah. We'll have to This is going memory lane. This yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, I met Dennis at Governors in Fort, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, yeah? And uh, Greg Rogel was working Governors. there. Uh, it was... Um, was there a Governors in Fort Lauderdale? For a very short time. Uh, it was, I think, on 17th Street Causeway, I think. There was another... Uh, Name with another comedy club, Bonkers, I think. That right, was Bonkers Fort... was in Orlando. And then there was a Fort Lauderdale one I as well. Know that. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I feel like I saw um, Daryl Hammond there. Yeah, because Daryl had moved to Florida as well. Yeah. Jim Brewer moved to Florida. Yeah. All these comics. Tom Rhodes. You know, Tom yeah. Rhodes. Hedberg. So, Hedberg did some time right. in Florida. Yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, people who lived in Florida weren't from Florida. Yeah, yeah. Except the Regans who were down there. I think they were where I think they were born down there. Oh really? Okay. There's like 17 of them. Yeah. The brothers and sisters. <laughs> so yeah, Florida was really great. Now, okay, you start in 87, started to stand up, and then you would come up here because you decided well, I, I want to make a career I in this. I had known uh at some point even before stand up during one of those trips back that we took on vacation to mm-hmm. New York, I was like, "Oh, Manhattan is where I'm going to live." Like, right. this is pre-stand. I was like, that was like one thing in my life that I was sure of like I want to live in New York. So right. I was immediately drawn, even though I lived in the Bronx when I was a kid, but that you hardly... You didn't know. You don't remember and you don't know what... Yeah, you don't have any like thoughts about And New Paltz is nothing like New York no, City. No, no, no. So... Nice. So diving back into Manhattan for a couple of trips, I was like, oh, this is absolutely where I want to live. And then I went to college and then my roommate, not a roommate, a, a friend in college also wanted to move to New York. So we said, let's get a place together. There and we go. did. What the year upper is this? East, this is 89. Mm-hmm. It's got a place on the Upper East Side, two-bedroom, 825 a month. <laughs> I mean, hardly a two-bedroom, but technically one. And uh, What year was that? 89. A little too, I mean, a little too soon to dive into New York, I think. Mm. I think if I had it to do over again, I would have done the road hard for like a year and gotten really good. And then you just come in there and 
It seemed to work out okay for it you. It did, yeah. Ultimately, it did, and I'm very famous. Because, but. you know, <laughs> and, you know, this, but a lot of people don't know that New York City is usually not the place to start, or LA is not the place to start. I, I honestly don't know how I rose up, and I don't know how people do it here, like, especially because you go see bar shows, and you're like, how do you get from the bar show to where? Unless where? there's, you know, particular like talent people who are looking and they search those places but yeah i think you know i would when i look for talent for whatever i had done mostly i get it from other comedians so when you know of course i would look at comics but i'd go to those kind of shows yeah but when you're charging you know comedians five dollars to go on stage mm -hmm. it takes all of the art out of the and just makes it just the bullshit kind yeah, of game I mean, some of those shows like at uh like the Bowery Poetry Club and and Surf Reality, those are. I mean, I you can see some real interesting people. Creek in the cave. Yeah, just the incredible sort of like, comics. Real like just people who are different. Yeah, I remember in the East Village because that's where we used to live on the same street. Yeah. Um, when I was I moved to New York and I started again around '84, there was a club where, sort of where New York, the Eastville Comedy Club is. It was in this place and it was just all artists, you know, like. Uh, people who would do like drag shows or people would do huh. um, singing and they'd put stand-ups oh, on. Was that Mo Pitkins? No, but I remember Mo Pitkins. Okay. It was really close to there. And I remember Rocket's Red Glare. Uh -huh. Remember him? Yeah. Uh, he was in that neighborhood and <clears throat> working with him, he was one of the greatest guys and he got me a lot of little spots in little places like Mo Pitkins yeah. and, and stuff like that. So in a certain era of the 80s, it was, it was okay to start out in New York because a lot of little places that you can, you know, try things out. And you've never had to bring people. You never had to, you know. So Stand Up New York started the bringers situation. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember Carrie Hoffman was was running it, and he was working with Andy Engel, was working. He was audience fillers, and he would fill the crowds with audiences when they were, they were low on crowds. And then they kind of came up, uh, the idea to, you know, have if you bring six people or whatever. And, you know, that put a hole in a lot of, uh, what good comedy was it just made it yeah sad. I mean I used to be really against the bringer show and then at some point I was like well I had a lucky time that I got to do stand up because there would be people just like there to see comedy yes and I would play to a real audience and they weren't other comics except for the handful that were waiting to go on right but I feel like because you know they had those Monday night shows at Caroline's I guess you used yeah, to run I, them I, 14 and, years yeah. I hosted I didn't run it I yeah, just hosted but it would be like well you can do a set of Carolines for 400 people, or you could not do a bringer show and do a set for zero people. Right. But And you I, get a tape out of it, yeah, which yeah. Is, it's good to be able to get feedback. But it is draining. I mean, I did a few bringer shows where you're just like, you can't. Every like every week, you're gonna, you need to go on stage a lot. You're going to be like, who has that many friends? We're like, right. hey, you guys want to come see me again? Not really, yeah, no. Not to pay for two drinks. <laughs> yeah. It's going to cost us 50 bucks. That's like a thing if like, you, you know, work in an office and everyone knows you and they're like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna go see Bob do comedy. Yeah, once. And then they go, and then they're like, "All right, he's he, he's not good." <laughs> right. Um, we wanted him to be good, but, but he wasn't really good. I did a bringer show a few years ago, and uh, at, with at Gotham, and the first three acts on were me, Gaffigan, and then Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, can you imagine like being some you're there to see your friend go on stage for the first yeah. time like, wow he must be doing really well yeah you, you even know. take me out of the equation and yeah well still you know that. it's still pretty good with you in there yeah so you know for, uh, all of a sudden you know i, I just want to fast forward a little bit to to go backwards because recently i was very impressed that you did this crowd work show oh yeah i did it which was really great had you ever thought about doing that 
in the beginning? <clears throat> um, because I know you as a comic, and I've always loved the rhythms, the writing, the the <clears throat> the nonverbal stuff that you do is as powerful as any of the verbal stuff you do, and and I've always appreciated that. And you know, that's sort of where I look at Jack Benny, and I'm trumping you uh -huh. in this category, but. There's not many comics who can you do the nonverbal as well as you do, and now you're doing this crowd work. So it's really just working the crowd. You're not pausing in between crowd work. You're, you're, and I. I, I mean, I, I still do it at my pace, but uh, I don't know. Did you see the special? Yeah, okay. it's amazing. And um, yeah, I, I I don't remember when I started doing crowd work. Excuse me, but uh, I because not everyone can do it. Uh, do it well. I mean, you see Paula Poundstone; she's the best I've ever seen. And there, there's others. You know, Jimmy Sweeney. Broken. Mike Sweeney was my, uh, he was my crowd work hero. Yeah. And there's, who else is good? Jimmy Pardo's really good at it. Right. Um, and I mentioned Jimmy Brogan, who's a master yeah, yeah. at it. And there, and Caroline Ray was one of the best I'd ever seen oh, yeah. do crowd work. Yeah, as well. yeah, she's good at. It. But but yeah. I've never seen you do it. Oh, really? Until okay. Well, maybe because I was always like just showing you Letterman sets. Right. That's a different story. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll get to that. But the, uh, yeah, so I just, at some point, I had did I did this, you know, a, a joke special for Comedy Central, mm -hmm. con, you know, an hour special, and then I was going to go on tour, and I, you know, I'm always, I like to spice things up, otherwise you just get bored, yeah. and then I was like, why don't I, what could I do, why don't I, how about an all crowd work special? And, and then how I, did you come up with that? I mean, it, it just popped into my head, I mean, I'm sure other people... You know, there's people who do more crowd work than I do. Yeah, but to, to take a chance like that. Yeah, and I just and this was when I this I was between agents, booking agents. So I I just kind of emailed people I knew and booked a little seven like seven or eight shows in a mm -hmm. run. It was pretty easy actually. And I said I'm just going to do this and see what happens. And mm -hmm. I did it and it went really well. Then I was had a second one planned and because. Uh, and an agent booked it the second time, and I was like, "Yeah, that was kind of fun. Let's do that again." Right? Because when I did the first one, a lot of people were like, "Hey, did you tape? Did you film it?" And I was mm -hmm. like, "I don't fucking." That adds so much hassle and takes so much fun out of everything. To and also sometimes I don't know if you're in your case, you're in your head about it. Well, I'm taping right, it. Right, right. And you're just like, I don't good. want to have to worry about a, a camera crew showing up. Mm -hmm. So I, I was, but the second time I was like, I should just make the effort and get this on some sort of recorded somehow. And I was, I had like a letter drafted to a guy I knew at Netflix, mm -hmm. where I was like, who I knew liked me, and I was like, hey, I have this idea. And then I just got a random call. Oh, it's not a random call. He's one of a close he, friend of mine. He knew that he was calling you. He didn't no, just this dial is Louis. the number by accident. Yeah, Louis, yeah. Right. <laughs> Louis, yeah. It wasn't a random call from, <laughs> from a guy I'd known 20 years. But Louis called me out of the blue and just was like, what are you up to? And I was like, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just, gonna send this thing to netflix because i have a i have an idea for special i'm doing this tour and he started going well tell me about this tour and, mm -hmm. and i go and then it's just i said well i'm gonna just i did it once i'm just doing crowd work i do the whole thing crowd work and that's it and he's like uh would you let me put this out on my site mm. i mean it was it was that simple yeah and i said yeah <laughs> let me think about it i thought about it yeah yes. yeah <laughs> and then from then on, I had his production people, his editors. I got Lance Bangs, who's done a lot of specials. Yes. Also a friend of mine who happened to be available during the tour on sort of short notice. So I would show up, and there would be a camera crew set up in these seven cities. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really have to do a lot of work on like stuff that would housekeeping kind of stuff. That would but the, and that's important because it gives you the freedom to uh -huh. be able to play. Now, was the audience 
knowledgeable that it was being filmed. I guess the cameras were all around, so maybe they're a little subconscious about uh, being part of a crowd work scenario. They, um, they, I mean, all the, but what I would worry about is like, oh, what if the crowds are insanely just, they, they're dopes and they think it's just a free-for-all. And in fact, it was the opposite. They were sort of timid a little bit mm. about, but once I got going and they saw, oh, right, he's not just being, he's not just being mean. Right. Because people think crowd work is mean, but and actually the best people can turn a mean crowd into an incredible crowd. Yeah, I mean, I, I a few of the Netflix reviews I've read are, are kind of surprised me, and they were like, "Wow, he's, he does this without being cruel." And I mean, I, I do shit on people, but it's nothing where you're like, "God, that was low, man, yeah. <laughs> that was cheap shot." So I mean, I bust balls, you know, you know, the musicians, I. I was destroying in the and from the Los Angeles segment, but they're yeah. they were doubled over, of flopping course. their hands like, it's like, like Rickles. The, when yeah, you exactly. won Rickles. It was to, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what it felt like to me. Um, but at the same time, it comes from a warm place. Yeah, I mean, not that warm, but no, yeah, it's, it's warm. very warm. But I'm then, sorry. Uh, yeah. So then I I, uh, I did it. Yeah, and they and you know they put microphones. Normally, I don't do it with microphones in the audience, but just to mm-hmm. get the audio recorded. So. Yeah, I would find someone, and they would hand him a mic or her a mic, and then uh, I was in the editing room a lot, mm-hmm. and then... Uh, and Louie in there as well? No, it was me and his editor, Gina Sansholm, mm-hmm. who did a great job, And uh, but I, I it was it was pretty much, he gave me, it's like, this is yours, so don't... He gave me notes, and so, yeah, you know, course. maybe... Well, that's what you want. Maybe, if if you're going to get notes, it's like Louie gets them from, uh, you know, Chris Rock, and right, right. You, if you want to get notes, you get them from Louie. When yeah. I did my first Letterman's, Louie gave me notes, and, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's gold. Right, right. And, uh, all right, so that's why I wanted to talk about, you know, this, because you've become there, but you, I never saw you do crowd work. The way I had seen you mostly was doing, you know, television sets. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the great things was... You were a New Yorker, yeah. And when we were doing Letterman, the every once in a while we needed a comedian last minute, and yeah, very last minute, yeah, sometimes. really. I mean, and you know, I said Todd, get a set together and be ready. Uh-huh. And Letterman loved you as a comic. Always enjoyed every set that you did. Uh-huh. So it was, you know, first of all, it looks good for me. But you were one of the few comic. You're one of the. Not every comic can do well in a five, four-and-a-half-minute spot because some comics take four-and-a-half minutes to set up their right, first joke. Right, So your style is has grown over time. It still stays the same, yet you've now branched out into this sort of other world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, and, I can't do that on TV, the, the crowd work. But. No. Although, you know, you did do it on TV, in a sense. You know, it's a special. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... The point I'm trying to make yeah, is, with, is that you... Are, are you have a style that's your own and you're variant enough that you can do many different things and you know I just want for younger comics you know how you get to this certain point because comics are seeing the thing and they realize oh you know I can't do it for one year and be famous although they want to right it takes years and years and years you've been doing it 20 something years yeah 28 right um so what's what exactly is your question? Is is how did you? Is I don't know. The is how did you grow from this p- the original place where you're being the smarmy, yeah, like you said Dennis Miller type, to become this comedian who has this rhythm that's perfect for television. That every time you did Letterman, it was a home run. 
And then, you know, I mean, how did you get from one place to the next? It, was it I mean, conscious just, or just... I mean, I, like whatever my delivery is was never calculated. And, and you know, it wasn't until a, years, a few years ago that I realized I talked a different way mm-hmm. uh, than I do uh, normally. So I get into a certain performance rhythm. Yes. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think whatever I happen is just me... Uh, doing it over and over again. Do you think it's there's influences? Like you saw, you know, I remember St- we, Stephen Wright and I were talking about, you know, other comics who did the sort of same rhythms, and he was kind of, you know, like Jackie Vernon was that kind of a slower rhythm comic way back when, the guy who does uh, Frosty the Snowman's voice. Yeah. And eventually, you know, other folks after him had done that same slower rhythm kind of a thing. I mean, I feel like uh, everyone, or not everyone, but it's a lot of people... You know, you watch a tell ten times, and then all of a sudden, you go, "Yeah, this guy's, this guy's hilarious," and you end up being, doing some a tell in your cadence or whatever. But I mean, I don't. I there was no one like I modeled myself after. Yeah, well, that's interesting because you are original, and there's no, I don't know anyone who is you know, similar to you. The other thing is that you work worldwide. Um, yeah. Where not every comic can do that. Yeah. Because your stuff is about being a human as opposed to being anything. Yeah, I mean, I there are challenge. It is challenging though, still to go overseas. And I mean, I don't just have like uh, an act where you just, hey, I don't have to change anything. Just walk over to. But that's the beauty. Helsinki and just get right <laughs> into it. But at you the can't. same time, you can yeah. in a way. Like you just if there because I now I'm getting people there to see me. So, you know, when I did play Helsinki, 150 people showed up, and they were just so respectful that I was there, and they were there to see me. And Feels good. Yeah, so anything, that they kind of went along with, like, hey, you don't know what Walgreens is, but this is what Walgreens is. It's like this kind of place you have here. Oh, okay, do your Walgreens joke now, and then they laugh at it. That's really great. Yeah. All right, All right. now let's talk about voice stuff, because you've done... I remember, you know, my dream as a kid was to be on a cartoon. yeah. And I did Dr. Katz early on, uh-huh. and uh, for me, that was one of the biggest thrills of my life, and got to other things, science court and things. But not only were you on Dr. Katz, but that was, you became a regular on I Dr. did, Katz. I did. I, uh, I did it twice as a patient, and then I just got a call. I think it was on a, like a, it was a weird time to call for a business call. It was like mm-hmm. Saturday morning at 10 a.m. <laughs> from Tom Snyder, who was not the... Not the that Tom Snyder, yeah, but the Tom Snyder. Not the Snyder. Tom Snyder that no one knows who we're talking about, but the old the guy who talk shows. Who was a great talk show Yeah, host. yeah. But the, I guess, producer of Dr. Katz, yes. co-creator or whatever. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, we're thinking of adding this character. Do you want to do this video store clerk? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. So then I got to do like 20-some episodes of that. And that Now, was, a lot of people don't know is that you're not in the studio with the whole cast, not always, but I mean, it, the way they did it was, um, at least for those scenes, they would, I would, you know, I'd go and John Benjamin would go there, and mm-hmm. they would have a script, and they kind of wanted you to kind of nail the lines the way they're supposed to be nailed, mm-hmm. just for the structure of the story. And for, then as they, the character, not as Todd Barry, the comic, is right. Patient. I mean, they called me Todd, but yeah, but right. then they would let us go. Then they'd go, all right, now right. just have fun, and that's when some of my favorite stuff happened, and. And you know John John Spencer's, is brilliant and really funny guy and uh, and so, plays well with others. So it was a real yeah yeah and he and we were a good match and he it was just you know it was a sweet job you just you fly to Boston they put you in the Charles Hotel sometimes yes. and or, or the Sheridan Commander <laughs> and then you still nice you slam out these shows you know you you don't have to 
memorize anything. You don't have to dress up. You don't even have to bathe. Of course, <laughs> I did. But you, you but don't it was, have to. It was pretty it's sweet. A... And then you got you know these checks. Yeah, and they'd come and you you know yeah. and you'd cash them and they they'd actually clear. So then I I don't know if that started it, but then I people would just call me to do. I haven't done an animated voice in a while, but you know I did. But you Aqua well, Teen I, Hunger Force, and I did I know. Squidbillies and home movies and show that called Freak Show that was on uh, Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, Word Girl. Wow, I've done a lot of stuff. I know. That's Man, why I wanted to impressive. bring it up. You know, that but, you use your voice a lot. But Again, they, it's different oh yeah, than Burgers. acting. How did I forget that? Yeah, one of the best. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a nice. It's it's pretty sweet. And they almost, I, it's kind of frustrating, but I almost always, they never call me to be like, all right, we need you to uh, be a, a, a Chinese woman or something and it's <laughs> Ever, just like never? they're just like just do your voice right. <laughs> okay yeah it's like i, I kind of want i mean it's that's fine but i kind of want them to go hey I, there's a couple of times i've done like a woman's voice on i think on bob's burgers but for the most part it's just hey you're it's gonna, all your tubby boots you're gonna play it yeah <laughs> You're gonna play a bird on uh, Aqua Teen, so uh, just do your regular voice. Just your fine. regular voice, but it's a good voice and it's distinct voice. Yeah, and, and it's fun. And uh, and um, was that a dream of yours ever as a kid? No, know? but I mean, I I would love to get one of these Pixar movies or yes. something, and just the idea of like someone just flying me somewhere, and they're like, "Yeah, you're just gonna be in the recording studio for eight hours a day, and yeah, you, and you stay at this nice hotel, and, and you don't have to bathe, and you don't have to bathe, but uh, you do. I do bathe. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I. Back, well, mainly about young comedians. Uh-huh. They're, they're, you know, so many young comedians look up to you as an influence, and I don't know if you know that or not, or I'm sure you have some kind of inkling. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that there's there's some people who like me, and they they show up at shows I do on the road, and I always love when I'm on the, on the road and I find out like ten comics are sitting in the back. Yeah, it is. It's one of the the greatest compliments yeah, in the world yeah, I love that it, any yeah. comic would come to watch you. It's like when you do a corporate show, and then the you know that the waiters will come out or the waitresses or the cooks will come out of the kitchen and you know what I'm doing a good job because the people right. who just want to get Man, home are going to stop and I'd watch. much rather entertain the waiters and the cooks at a corporate gig than I understand because <laughs> the check is bigger yeah just and, it's just uh, no I mean, just they're going to they're better people they are they're, I'm they're make warmer a, I'm and less a drunk big generalization but yes um, but again so what would you want to tell young comics who are looking to make their breaks and, 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 you know, take their time and to, I mean, I'll let you. Yeah, I that. mean, I say what, I mean, I've heard you say this to people and when they've come up to you. Um, I just, I mean, the best comedy advice I ever got was from Louis years ago. And I think I was, I was like complaining about something or frustrated. And, he, and he's like, Todd, just go on stage and be funny. He goes, you're funny. Just go on stage and be funny. Mm. And it's the type of thing that not every comic wants to hear that kind of thing because it's not like, well, was it, you know, how's that going to get me a manager? And like, they right. want to hear managers. And like, that's, I think Steve Martin said that where people just like, when they ask you, how did, what should I do? They, right. They're basically saying, how do I get an agent? And I always, I, I think the most important things are just write a lot, go on stage a lot, don't annoy people, even mm-hmm. though I probably annoyed some people. Don't ask, I think, don't ask for too much from like, don't ask someone. To, I I don't like when someone asks me to watch their set. Like, right? I mean, I understand why they're asking, but it's like now you're now I'm, you're you're putting me on the spot because what if I don't like your set? Right. And all of us, I'm just at this club. I didn't come here to wa- to watch you and judge you and critique you. And there was a Louis field. episode where oh really? Know, uh, where some young kid said to please watch him, and Louis was like, "Well, you're not really that great." 
and oh, then see, all I of a sudden, and then and then you know the guy became famous and was on television. Oh, that's funny. But you know, I have that all the time, still to this day. Can you watch a set? Can you watch a set? And I have in my queue on the email box, you know, right now about eighty sets that people still want, and I don't mind doing that. But the same thing you said is that what if someone's not that good? You know. I, I, I believe to respect every comedian who does it because it's one of the hardest jobs yeah. in the world. And I respect them for doing that and I let them know, I don't say you suck or I don't say you're gonna be a star when I don't know if they're gonna be one. I just say, you know, keep going because you, you're doing something you love. Yeah, I mean, the, and the, the people who I've always helped or wanted to help are people either someone's told me about and I say, you wanna open for me, I watch YouTube clip for a few minutes, or just someone who I see at the club who just quietly shows up does their act, you see them writing in the corner, mm -hmm. they're polite, they're not asking you for favors. Those are the people I'll go, hey, uh, do you want to open for me in Buffalo or something? Yeah. Um, so it, but I also understand, you know, I, I remember coming to New York and being like, you just, you watch, you go, oh man, I, I could, you see this guy's going on every night, and you're like, I fucking do eight minutes. Yeah. Just eight minutes, I could kill for eight minutes, and then, uh, but you gotta wait your turn, and you gotta, uh, you gotta, you know, I think don't annoy people is important. I've already said that. And patience, yeah. though. And, and just That's like, the hard part. and try to ha enjoy that, you know, I hate to say enjoy the journey because it sounds corny, but, but it's exactly It's like right. you are telling jokes and you're hanging out with your with a social group. Also, don't, you know, don't get fucked up before you go on stage. Right. That always bums me out when I see, like, you know, if you're like, you've been doing comedy six months and you have to have three drinks to get on stage. You'll need that forever. And yeah. You need more drinks and. Right. And then you're going to just, you're, uh, yeah. In the Kinnison days when I was in L.A., the partying there was ridiculous. It was monumental. I had oh, never yeah. partied like that. But the one thing no one ever did was party before they went on stage. Oh, really? And they, you know, slept it off. And then all day long they wrote and prepared. And that's what I always respected about the comics. You don't go on stage under the influence. Well, I did do a, uh, went to a, one of the Kinnison shows I went to. Uh, I think he didn't listen to that advice. Right. Because he... Uh, was still up from the night They canceled before. it after the opening act. Wow. It's like, wow. like Sam Kinison's been taken to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, I, I bet he was. Really? That was a show that really happened? Yeah, it was at the Carefree Theater. Ah. Like Carla Bove went on, and then right. it was like this unusually long intermission, mm -hmm. and then they made that announcement. They didn't even bring out like Alan Steven or Mitchell Walters. No, no. Guys. They were just... They don't think he had anyone else to bring out, but... Ah. but, But, yeah, I mean, just... Just... Also, just, I mean, I also think, like, if you're doing an open mic, act like, take, use that chance to act like you're doing a real show for people. And mm -hmm. instead of, like, because sometimes I'll see people go up there and they're, like, they have their little note card and their, their notebook and they keep, they, they'll turn around to look at it. And it's, like, you, you had all day and you're doing six minutes and you did four jokes. You could... Just sit down. It's not fun. And go, I'm going to do the, these four jokes. And then look me in the eye when you're performing. Yeah. You know, well, you know, the thing about looking in the eye. Not literally, but I mean, just but, be but, there for the crowd instead of like turned around looking at a stool. Yeah, don't. I, I, always, I always see a comic and I go, why are you mailing it in? This is gold. Stage time is gold. Yeah. Stage time is the most important yeah. thing in the world. You can't make somebody funny but you only way to get better is stage time so if you have four you know six minutes make sure that that's you're prepared for that six yeah. minutes and just be ready and and get out of your head about it and like louis said just go be funny yeah i mean and have a good time and uh hang in there and don't you know don't don't 
don't ask a lot of questions about money because you're not going to make any money. No. So go no. audition. You might even be charged. Do, yeah. Do you know? Do whatever. Get a job. Don't be embarrassed about having a job. Oh, that's another thing. Another advice thing that I would say is, if you can avoid talking about your day job on stage, mm-hmm. I always because I've I've done shows where there's like three people, three comics go on, they all talk about their day job. And you're like, people paid thirty bucks for the show. And you're basically saying, I'm not a professional comedian. Yeah. So, I mean, find a way to talk about it in the past tense or just talk about it without saying, uh, so during the day, I'm yeah. not, you know, it's because for all you know, uh, for all they know, you make a million dollars a year as a comic. I remember doing a show and everybody was famous except for me. And I was freaking out. Why am I on the show, the Comedy Store main room? And I had to follow Paul Mooney, and it was Louis Anderson and uh-huh. Roseanne Barr. And I freaked out, and I called a friend of mine. I was, I'm going home. I can't do this show. And they said, just act like they don't know that you're not famous. Exactly. And I acted like I was famous, and I had the set of my life. Yeah. And the audience had no idea. They're like, how come I don't know this guy? They're just waiting for the next guy to do some funny stuff. So you go up there, and you do it. Uh, any regrets oh. in, in, uh, in your career or anything that uh, you wish you did differently? I have a I mean I have a couple of regrets. What I mean maybe one regret would be coming to New York too soon. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I guess that worked out so maybe I I won't count that as a regret. I mean I've had shows where I've made choices that I didn't you know. But you made choices and that's what yeah, you have to do. I'm talking about walking off stage is what I'm talking. Ah, about. really? Yeah. That was up. That, Tell me about one of them. Well, in Edinburgh, I did Edinburgh a few times. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done that festival? Yeah, it's amazing. And uh it's, But 30 it's, days is a long time. It's a rough time. festival. It's it's uh you know, you go from being somewhat taken care of in the States after you've done it a while and staying in nice hotels to kind of go in there and they're like, yeah, you're sharing a flat and uh, yeah, you're, going you're on, on your midnight own. and uh, no one's, oh yeah, and there's 600 shows going on at the same <laughs> right. time. The know? average audience is six yeah, people. Yeah. And there's, and that means that when you go to a show and there's a 250 people in the audience, that your show is maybe getting three. Yeah, and... And I mean, I don't want to complain too much, but I, the people who brought me there, I could see they'd lost interest in my show, and they mm-hmm. were like, "Hey, Todd, you know, you can uh, you can cancel shows if you like," <laughs> and you could see like, "Oh, you want me to cancel shows? You're yeah. not you're not just putting it out there, you're right?" Kind of, we, they were probably pretending, you know, yeah, if you, you feel like it's helpful. like, no, you kind of want me to, then you don't have to hire the sound guy and all that. So it was in my head, and and I'm a guy who's I probably have the, I think I'm one of the most reliable people in comedy. Mm-hmm. I would say I would not. You I, were reliable in Letterman. I would every say time. that I, um, I mean, maybe the way I phrase that was a little cocky, but just it like, was. But it's okay. <laughs> but I would say it's like I like it. I'm a very reliable. I'm almost never late. I rarely cancel unless it's an emergency. Right. So I, my cancellation rate is extremely low, probably because I know people bail on sets all the time. I don't respect. That. And uh, having said that, I so there was one night I went on in Edinburgh and then. It was literally just this couple up front, mm. front row, 150 seats, and just two people. And I started, and I just was like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and I, I kind of, I didn't storm off stage, but I walked off stage, and it was just, I kind of see why I did, because it wouldn't have worked. Because they were just looking at me like they were watching a play. Mm. And it's weird, because I've done, since before and after that, I've done plenty of shows for two people. Me too, and I had one of the best sets of my life yeah. for two people. And then there was another scene, and then there was another one, also during that same run in Edinburgh, where these people had seen me somewhere else that I did a late night set, and then they, it was like four of them, and, and they were like, do you want to cancel this one? And <laughs> I was like, 
oh yeah, let's cancel it. And then I was like, those people came to see me. Yeah. And so that one, I still feel bad about that. David Brenner told me one night, he was you know, doing the eight and the 10 at Caroline's uh-huh. on a Saturday and I had the 12.30 and I was headlining that show. Yeah. And there was eight people and you know, he had 400 each show. And I was like, damn it, you know, I was so excited Saturday night at Caroline's and there's eight people here on a late night on Saturday and this, and he says, and he yelled at me. Yeah. He says, these eight people paid, yeah. they came here. And that's 99% of the time the way I am, but I, yeah. think I just was in a bad place in Edinburgh. Oh, I, I understand. Because I was just defeated. Yeah, it's not going to be perfect with yeah. life, and that's why it's important to know yeah. that that happens. We all make mistakes, but generally I'm going to show up if, I, yeah. if I'm booked. You're reliable, yeah. I've heard you say, which is really good. And what haven't you done that you still want to do? Oh, um, that's a good You know what's funny? You did a British accent earlier, when yeah. you were try- and you're in Scotland. But, you know, people say, let's have the Todd Barry voice. No, you can do the, it. The you producers were from England. Though. Oh, okay. That's, so right, I was okay. Well, very, then it was very accurate. Extremely accurate. Yeah. Um, what was your question? It was about what, uh, what do you look for? What haven't you done yet that you're, you really want to do? Um, I mean, I'd love to do... I'd like to have, like, a... I mean, I'd like to just tour. I'd like to do a tour of theaters, either as the, the guy or, like... What do you mean, the guy? Like a headline, like big enough to headline, like a 500, 600, or a thousand seat place. And um, so I'd like to do that and have the whole bus and the tour manager and all that Mm -hmm. shit. Um, You know, acting wise, I'd like to have like a bigger part than the parts I've had. I mean, I'm grateful for the. They're all rememberable. They are. They're all rememberable. Yes, I was in the wrestler. And, yes, uh, I remember. But it'd be interesting. It would be interesting to, to go like on location somewhere and, and film for uh, I don't know a month or something in Santa Fe or something. Right. Let's all go to Santa some Fe. Some sort of cool movie like that. And uh, what else is there? I'd I'd like to do. You know, I'd like to be in a play. Mm. Yeah. I saw Gaffigan on Broadway. He was great. Yeah. Did you see him? Yeah, I did. It was great. I mean, you know, to see people like, I mean, this is a weird example, but David Bowie on Broadway, it's such a thrill to know that that people who do one thing really well can do other things yeah. well if you compartmentalize. To see Gaffigan, he's such a great actor. He could do Yeah, I mean, he didn't and, look like, oh, the comic's kind of doing an okay job. It's like, oh, he's really good up there. He's just as good as everyone on that stage. Well, Michael Keaton, we yeah. talked about earlier. He was a great actor. Yeah. And he was a, a really good comic, so... Some people, you know, it's, I think it's harder to do stand-up than it is to do acting. But I think that acting, there's, as a comic, a lot of people try to act, but they don't, they, they don't really ha- put the work in or realize that it's, it's just a, another job that's really hard. There are some people like Spencer Tracy who couldn't, doesn't even have to take acting class. Yeah. Uh, but I think that guys like Gaffigan, guys like Ray Romano, are, you know, had to learn to become great actors. Right. And I think that... Uh, you know, I, I I don't think I believe that you could probably do that. Be yeah. fun to be on Broadway. Yeah, for you. Yeah, I would, I would like to. Maybe I'll, t- I'll star in Hamilton. I'll be yeah, that would be good. Or yeah, Hamlet, or right, we, yeah, you know, one of the H things. Yeah, that would be good. Well, I appreciate you coming. You know, down for this. I, you know, it, it's fun for me because I get to learn a lot of things about people I've known for a really long time that I didn't know before, and I hope the people at home or if you know on the road driving. Uh, find out the same thing. It was very interesting. and, uh, and I was going to re- remind you of a story, though. Please. I, I just remember doing Letterman on short notice, and one time I was in the DC Improv, and I woke up from my midday post-radio nap, <laughs> and there was a note slid under the door, and it said, call Eddie Brown. I was like, oh, fuck. 
because I knew I had to go back, right? And then I had to cancel one night at the DC Improv, and then I, I think I did it. I, I did you that did. all same day notice. Yes, like I got on a plane. I bought a plane ticket. I remember they had like a ATM for plane tickets for the DC shuttle back mm. then. And you just swipe it and it spits out a ticket. And then I came home and did Letterman. And I think there was one time I did it on. I don't know. If, were you the one? I think it was you. But one we time did I did it on an incredibly short notice. And so I went from like nothing to that night I was on Letterman, and it was just me and Mel Gibson. Right. The only two guests on the show. And we did the set on the phone together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and timed it out and it worked out beautifully and there was another time i was eating a burrito at uh, san loco in the east is, village and it was like three o'clock in the afternoon i was just like yeah i'm gonna have to say no on this yeah one. <laughs> yeah right this I'm burrito not, is a little I'm bit not, too good i'm not gonna go i mean that was it was just too rushed but yeah. i saved the day a few times though yeah many many times and uh but also you know i really believe that you've really you know, carved out this incredible career so far for yourself. Oh, thank you. And I, and I think the real testament is the fact that comics really respect your work. And I think as a comic, you know that's really Yeah, that's, that's the best. Yeah, that's the best. And I appreciate you coming. Sure. Here. Thanks for having me. All right, Todd Barry. Todd Barry, ladies and gentlemen. ToddBarry.com.